Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Riskologists. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Optimize and hosted by me, Andy Haslam. This season, we'll be speaking with the key decision makers who reap the benefits and gain the most value from effective risk management. We'll be exploring their perceptions, interactions, and experiences, as well as understanding what they personally have found to be the most rewarding and beneficial aspects that the discipline has to offer. We hope these conversations provoke thought and discussion amongst both risk and non-risk professionals to lift the lid on how its effective delivery can add real value to the roles of the beneficiaries. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Riskologists. I'm your host Andy Haslam and today I'm delighted to be joined by Val Jonas. Val, welcome to Riskologists. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so how's your podcast game? Have you done anything like this before at all? Uh, well, I've done quite a lot of uh, speaking and, and webinars and things like that. So this one, for most people listening to it, it it's they, they at least don't have to look at me, but uh, <laughs> and I don't have to worry about that. But uh, I, I, I have to say, I, I love doing these things. Excellent. Well, welcome along. Um, we usually like to start off the podcast with a bit of a journey to date for you. So a bit of a timeline of your career, where it all started, uh, maybe a bit of a journey up to the recording today. So fire away. Okay. All right. Well, I think you've got a little mini uh, podcast on me from last year's Project Expo, uh, which uh, you, you, people can listen to. But I, in that, I explained that I kind of fell into risk management like an awful lot of people do. Uh, I, I ha- had by accident ended up doing a maths and computer science degree, um, which uh, then I was looking for a job. And this one just intrigued me. Uh, I didn't really know what it was. Uh, started working for risk decisions uh, as a software developer and uh, felt at home, loved it and never looked back. Uh, I suppose I'm a pro- problem solver at heart and that really sort of feeds into the whole thing about building software and, and, and working with customers to use it. Uh, so I, initially I, I, I worked on actually developing our product software uh, and gradually got to going out with companies, working with them, helping them implement it. Uh, and I've been doing that for 30 years. It was initially with people at a sort of an analytical risk analysis level, mm. and then gradually moved to big mega programs and projects. And uh, I, I then felt like you know, the thing that I was quite interested in was looking at the future and started to help people looking at strategic risk. Uh, at the level of business cases, portfolio level, how it can save you money, but not just that, how it can help with innovation. And uh, since since I'm a, a problem solver at heart, that just really fed into uh, what I just love doing. Uh, and, and I find risk management exciting and fun. It's all about solving tomorrow's problems and uh, trying to create a better tomorrow, I suppose. Excellent. Well, I think I agree. There's a lot of people like myself who, who and you who've fallen into risk management. I think it tends to find them as opposed to you finding it to start with. So it's uh, very similar to a lot of people out there, I think. Um, so we'll, we'll get going into this. And we normally mention at the, at the start of these things as a bit of a, the topic that we just, we've just chosen to discuss today, uh, which is a C-suite perspective on implementing practical risk management. We obviously let all our guests shoot take the opportunity to choose that topic and discuss it on the podcast. But can you give us a bit of an insight as to why that topic, why you've chosen that topic and why it's particularly pertinent to yourself? Okay, well, I think um, it's probably because I've experienced risk and trying to implement risk at all levels in organizations uh, within the companies I've worked in and also within our own organization, Risk Decisions. So I'm CEO of Risk Decisions. I started out as a software developer, as I explained, and worked my way up through technical director um and running a company which expand you know in my time we expanded it globally so it's kind of punches above its weight but i do really understand how difficult it can be implementing risk management it's a very simple concept and everybody thinks they know how to do risk but actually one of the most difficult things is is applying it and, and doing it top down uh unfortunately most organizations really struggle to get c suite involved uh, they don't know how to engage them. And what I'd like to think is I could bring some of my experiences, both from doing it ourselves and also um, helping customers implement risks successfully. I hope that that might give some people some ideas and insights. There's not many people in, in your position where you're related to 
your, your actual risk manager or your, your risk professional, but you've got your own business and you have to look at it from that perspective as well and swap between those hats, I think, of, of the, the boss and the, the risk manager, the risk professional. Um, so we'll get straight into it, really. Um, you mentioned it before about some of the you know mega projects and things like that. You've been managing projects and strategic business risk decisions for years, but can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. Um, I mean, I guess really we, we got into it big time uh, and, and I got really interested in, in helping projects. And uh, in, that, in that area of risk, it's, it's perhaps a bit closer to what everybody thinks of ISO, 20, uh, sorry, ISO 31,000, uh, risk against objectives. And there you can pin things down quite easily because with a project, you're trying to deliver a set of deliverables. And uh, then at a program level, you're trying to deliver benefits, and 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 so they're they're quite easily defined. You can you can uh, specify costs and time and scope, and those are all written down. You have a plan, so you've got a structure against which which to put, put risk. And um, uh, we also decided at a very early stage that because we were rolling out risk uh, management and risk analysis software, we would also use our software on our own projects, whether it was our uh, internal uh, product development or implementation for our customers, because I believe that you have to put your money where your mouth is or, you know, just be, you know, be, be, be the person you, you're telling other people they should be, actually do it yourself. One of the things we also learned was how to take risk. Uh, that risk isn't just about preventing risk because actually projects are all about opportunities and change and exciting innovation and you can't actually usually do a project most of our customers are are huge um, uh, infrastructure transport defense companies uh, utilities and so on now you know they are doing very exciting (laughs) technologically uh, challenging projects Mm. so you you end up inevitably taking risk so I found it all of, all of that very exciting. Um, it was from there I started thinking about business risk, though. And for a small company, uh, you kind of think risk every day because it's part of survival. <laughs> you know, you you don't have a, anybody ready to hand out money to you at the end of the month, or you know, you live on your own wits. You make your own luck. Yeah. Uh, you find your own opportunities. And, and I, again, found that really, really exciting. But one of the things I discovered was that openness and trust, um, having risk conversations, they were all key ingredients. Uh, and of course, the same is, is true for large organizations, uh, but perhaps we'll come back to compare yeah. those things a, a bit later on. But certainly uh, we felt that as a risk management company, we couldn't maintain credibility with our customers unless we actually did risk well yeah. ourselves. Uh, but it was mostly project and, and strategic risk. The interesting thing that we found recently is we've just gone through ISO 27001 certification. Uh, and that really opened our eyes because operational risk is, is quite a different kettle of fish. So you mentioned then about operational risk. Uh, how does project and business risk differ from operational risk? Well, as I said, uh, it's a bit easier to understand ISO 31000 when you're doing projects because where it describes risk as the uncertainty, uh, the impact of uncertainty on your objectives. And you can easily define objectives in uh, a project and change risk. It's a bit more difficult to define that in operational risk. And I think that's one of the, the interesting things uh, I've discovered I, I do work on on one of the ISO committees on the project program, uh, uh, the value guide we're, we're helping write at the moment, and uh, and that's kind of uh, you know looking at what other uh, bring, bringing experience of what other disciplines find difficult about risk risk management is interesting, and even project risk delves into other areas of risk because projects and change, you know, on an infrastructure project, you still have to keep people safe. Um, You still in any organization, particularly technology, or even more so utility uh, companies, they have to maintain very strong cybersecurity. Um, So even when they're implementing things, they still have to do all this other operational risk. So uh, it was, you know, it it, it actually made me start thinking a bit more about how, how the whole thing joins together. 
from a, an enterprise. And of course, that's one of the very difficult things for companies and organizations. Too much risk is siloed. And we found this when we were implementing ISO 27001, um, which, which is much wider than just cybersecurity. It covers all of your processes around HR, training, um, uh, legal, um, your supply chain. Um, I, I didn't realize how big a thing it was until we got into it. And um, uh, the shocking thing I found was that we were presented by the consultants who were working to help us go through the, the, the uh, change was uh, they, 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 they gave us loads of spreadsheets to fill in. <laughs> and it was like, it was death by spreadsheet. Yeah. Now, you know, I could understand with some things, spreadsheets are a good way of doing things, but usually when you want to add up numbers or do sort of quick and dirty things, but uh, what, what I, I, I realized was that, first of all, um, it just wasn't going to work because these spreadsheets all had different ways of doing things and, um, uh, and, and it just didn't make sense. I mean, they had all sorts of, you know, each one was designed by obviously a different person in a different discipline. So the legal spreadsheet risk, risk register was completely different from the supply chain one, was completely different from the, the information management systems one. It, it, was, it, was, it was just a mess. And also from, from a matter of a point of view of pride, professional pride, I could not use spreadsheets when I tell everybody, you shouldn't use spreadsheets, you should do it in, in a central system like, you know, like our predict system. So, so um, yeah, and, and the other thing I was determined was to not treat it as a tick box exercise, because so often this is just done, uh, um, you know, for getting, getting through the certification uh, and not done for real. Yeah, a bit of a means to an end, I think. It's, like you say, the, the tick box exercise is always the, the comment that comes back a lot with risk in general. So it's it's interesting that it's there through other aspects that are impacting all these businesses. And it's just trying to get away from that whole thing of everything being a risk, a tick box exercise. Um, but how did you approach this with your team then, taking them along with you? Um, well, being the company we are, then buy-in wasn't a problem. Everybody was really, in fact, in, from a risk point of view, they were quite excited about it, particularly my operational people. So um, we, we, we did take on extra staff. You know, we've got new um, ITIS uh, um, capability in the company because we recognised it was extra workload. Um, and in particular, one person who'd come from another organisation had a lot of experience in, in uh, ISO 9001. Uh, so brought a different perspective and had done internal audit and all those kind of things. Um, so, so it was, you know, it, it was really interesting working with everybody and getting their feed in. But the biggest problem was everybody's so busy. And, it, and I know working in large organizations, working within risk decisions, it doesn't make any difference. Everybody is busy. Yeah. Trying to find time in diaries is impossible, especially if you're trying to find time with multiple people. Yeah. And my philosophy on risk is that you've got to break down the silos. Um, and, and one of the problems with all the spreadsheets was that you might have a risk in supply chain that is also an IT risk. So, uh, and it could even also be a legal risk. So it could sit under, you know, data breach. Uh, it could sit under um, cyber protection. And it could also be part of, uh, you know, somebody in your supply chain that might cause it. Now, so which risk register you put that one in? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And then, you you know, you could end up with it in every one or in none of them. So, so you know, one of the things that we did need was to get, get multiple people on, on the same meeting to discuss some of these things. Uh, and also just working out how to score some of these things, because... Uh, you know, one of the things we did um, recently in Predict was, was make the scoring much more comprehensive. So you could, instead of just scoring things as high, medium, low, uh, you need to actually describe what you mean. Um, uh, you know, things like, you know, reputation, for example, uh, ultimately the, an impact could be reputation. And sitting around a table, um, if that's what people are worried about, and this is where you come to C-suite kind of level, they're, they're not, so, as far as they're concerned, uh, making sure you've got the right cyber protection places is something that's the responsibility of somebody down the chain, but reputation is something that you're going to have to answer to the media for. Mm -hmm. 
but all these things are connected, all those risks are connected together. So um, getting everybody together and brainstorming was, was, was a, a, a challenge just to, given that we also had a deadline for achieving our certification. So we're up against the clock. Um, and sometimes it was also interesting trying to help people understand which hat I was wearing in a meeting. Uh, because sometimes it, as, a, as a CEO, people, you realize that, that people are just sitting and listening to you thinking, well, you, you know, you're the CEO, so you need to tell us what to do. And the answer is, well, no, today I'm actually sitting in this meeting as, as the, uh, you know, the CFO or the, or, or I might just be sitting in the meeting going, I don't know, I'm just listening to you. I'm just a, I'm just, I'm being a, a, a risk consultant today, helping you work out how to score your risks. So, so it was, it was challenging making sure that I could help under, help people understand. I wanted to know their perspective. I wanted to understand how they saw things. So listening, uh, and also um, uh, just just helping them turn, you know, turn it, turn all the stones that, that you need to look under in order to understand all of those risks but not making it something that was unmanageable um the the, the one of the problems i think was was that that we uh, every time we turned one of those stones there was a whole load of new questions that came out <laughs> yeah. of no i can imagine <laughs> which, which is intriguing uh, so how, how how has this changed you? Well, how has your experiences changed the way that you do things then? I mean, has it changed um, the way that you advise C-suites uh, on, on implementing risk management as well? Um, yeah, I guess um, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we realized was that we did need to restructure things and every company is different, every organization is different. And so even though risk in its simplest form is, is very straightforward, um, you actually need to make sure that that it's relevant to people. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that that we we realised we need to do was to roll down roll out responsibilities down to team leads mm -hmm. uh, because they're the ones that know their business yeah. uh, and um, uh, uh, ensure that 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 how they were describing it was also understandable in a reporting sense. Mm -hmm. um, things like um, joining risk, risks together. Um, you know, the, the whole point of getting away from spreadsheets was to get in, into one place, yeah. but it's, it's, there's no point in having it in one system, but then still stovepiping it into, into separate folders and, uh, and and not actually getting a big picture of mm. how the risks join together, uh, things like you know how, how key risk indicators uh, impact uh, causes and consequences and all of those things. And, and one of the things that it did do was, was it helped us think about how we're going to um, you know the, the roadmap for our product uh, mm -hmm. because when you use it yourself it's there's, there's nothing like your own internal people for being highly critical of <laughs> what it does and doesn't do it's, it's fantastic yeah. Yeah. Uh, so instead of just sort of you know listening to customers at an arm's length it meant that I think people were starting to to think a, a bit about you know, the, the, the act you know even more practical application um, so um, we've definitely made some changes to our to the way we run the business, like changed our meeting structure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we realised that that we were risk risk was starting to uh, well, as with some of the other things that we were needing to do, was just putting more and more meetings into people's diaries, and we went, this is too much. We cannot do this. So we streamlined our meetings uh and uh ensured that we had were very clear about what meet, weekly meetings were for what monthly ones and quarterly ones or what the objectives were and what needed to be done for those meetings so um uh it, it, it was really i mean you know as a small business you have to do that because you just don't have the resources at, you, know, you could spend your, your entire time doing this you know we don't have um all of those different, you know, some some organisations will have an HR full-time HR manager and a full-time, uh, you know, supply chain procurement people. And you know, in a small business, you don't have all those people. Therefore, there were people with multiple hats on that just found meetings got too much. So, yeah. um, we also um, brought uh, management of, of of the whole kind of we, we expanded some of the things we were doing more to bring in more about opportunities and actions and controls around um how could we do do things differently so we even you know part of 
ISO 27001 is, is, is you need to put in place an improvement log. And we started to think, actually, this is really just doing opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so some of them are, so, some of the improvements are where you've had a failing or, you know, something you've done wrong. But if you stop thinking about it purely as bad things and negative things and start thinking about how you can use it positively, mm-hmm. engaging people is so much easier. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, all, all of that um, was, was a positive thing and, and help, helping um, uh, people understand that all of that is, you know, what's, what's the end game? It's not just about putting together a catalogue of, of um, risk data uh, or doing kind of those actions you just got to do. Um, it was actually, it's all about decision making um, and, and risk-based decision making and all being on the same page. So, so that was really, really, um, uh, I guess, I mean, it was sort of fun, hard work, yeah. but sometimes hard work if it's positive and you feel like it's taking business forward is, mm-hmm. is really good. Um, yeah, so we had to organize, streamline, um, uh, and it's definitely a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So some things we had to put on the shelf and go, right, we'll come back to that and, and do it later. We're trying to keep it moving along because these initiatives often, I've seen it so many times in organizations, uh, they, they, they put together an initiative, um, it, they sort of just about get it over the line in some way or another, and then it's all dropped because they've gone mm-hmm. to the next thing. You yeah. actually have to keep living and, and, and breathing it. Keep the momentum uh, going, I think, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, but I, I think that as much as anything, I also have a lot more ammunition for why you wouldn't use spreadsheets because initially I tried to do some quick and dirty stuff and it didn't work. It was right. just awful. Um, how, did, how was that? How did you find it wasn't it wasn't working for you with that, doing the, the um, quick and dirty stuff with Excel? Well, I, I think it, it just threw up more questions and confusion than than it it offered the fact that we were trying to do this across different teams and um you know, where where do you how do you keep those spreadsheets under control you know i found that somebody had gone off and and done some work on something and then it's like oh well somebody else is doing some stuff yeah. here as well and uh you know I, I mean it was great that people were taking initiative and getting on with it but i then realized that it was it was actually just causing chaos and confusion yeah you start um, to lose control of it all i suppose Yes, I mean you, you know you even in the central system you've got to keep keep control of, of of that too. It's configuration and but it's easier to do there because you've got all the controls and you can stop people doing things they shouldn't do. Yeah, because like we we had problems with spreadsheets where people had added columns and they were well I need to put this data in. Well, where did that come from? Why did you do that? That's not not part of the process. Yeah. Um, people went I don't understand what to put in there. So that's the kind of problem you have with spreadsheets. Is 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 just that they become chaotic and out of control. So you mentioned then about the experiences and how that's changed the way you do things, but has it changed the way that you might advise C-suite on implementing risk management itself? One of the big problems is getting C-suite involved and you need to do things from the top. Um, But I think there are also other factors that that make it difficult. So if you look at individual risks in a fairly simple form, then, then, you know, either as an event or or, or as something you need to control, or um, then it, it's 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 relatively straightforward. But unfortunately, risk isn't linear, and it, it's actually multi-dimensional. Um, and the more people you get in, involved in talking about it, the more the whole thing becomes a a whole kind of crazy um, set of links between all sorts of of, of, of different things. Um, I, and I think that that um, you know, also there are problems that people have in in companies where the bigger the company, the harder harder it is for people to understand and possibly empathise with other people in other areas of the company because they're understandably they've had objectives flowed down to them, so they might be looking at it from an ISO thirty one thousand point of view and saying, well, my objective is to cause no harm or you know to keep people safe or to um, you know so looking at it from an operational point of view to ensure that we don't have any data breaches or cyber breaches or, um, but you know, when you start looking into all of that, um, as well as all the business change, the, the projects and initiatives and things that all have their own objectives too, um, and put it into a pot with the current um, uh, um, challenges that, that we have with, with um, material costs and, and uh, 
you know, supply chain and, and recruitment and all of those things, then you can't just look, look at risk in, in a very simplistic way. Um, and what you need is some guidance from the top to ensure that, um, that, that, that you're actually looking at things in a holistic way and understanding where the business is trying to go, what challenges that they've got. So you know, if, if I, I take, for example, you know, some time ago working on, on, on the 2012 Olympics, um, uh, there were so many different um, aspects of problems that arose at that time. It was straight after the global credit crunch in 2020, 2008. It was um, following on from the London um, uh, uh, bombing, mm. uh, which happened the day the Olympics was announced, mm. the London um, award. Um, uh, so both of those came together to, you know, we, we, we often get these perfect storms of, of context where we plan something, we're planning what we're going to do, and then the whole context changes. Now, you know, I've worked with senior managers where they've just thrown their, 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 their arms up in, in horror when something's happened and went, <clears throat> if I'd known about that, I could have done something about it. So things around the, the Olympics changed quite a lot over that time period before delivery in, in 2012. Uh, but I, I would say, um, you know, that as a, as a mega project was extremely well run. Uh, we enjoy, enjoyed working um, with, with the, you know, in helping build the Olympic Village, um, where the risks were at all levels, from, from the top level financing all the way down to the bottom level. You know, how do we make sure the plumbing works and we don't have a, a, <laughs> a disastrous a reputation problem <laughs> on the yeah. day that, you know, the opening, of the opening ceremony. Yeah. So, so you know, they moved so much more, more earth, contaminated earth off the, off the, uh, the, the site than I think, I think it was a record amount because it wow. was built on old uh, post, uh, you know, um, wartime factories and, yeah, yeah. uh, so, so, so it, it was an incredibly interesting um, uh, project to work on. But I think that a lot of its success was that when we call, say, C-suite, obviously the, the Olympics is made up of, of all sorts of, 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 of bodies, organisations, mm. stakeholders as well, massive yeah. stakeholders. And, you know, not, all, not, not everybody has, has been entirely happy with all of the outcomes, of course. But, <laughs> uh, but um, it was a very successful project. But I think it was down to kicking it off at the very beginning with senior level masterclass work, um, uh, getting everybody on the same page, um, understanding why people uh, had serious concerns about risk. So, for example, you know, one of the issues was that um, Wembley Stadium had not long uh, prior to that been a complete disaster in terms of opening very late, with yeah. not just not just the FA Cup final being postponed, which was absolutely, you know, terrible, uh, but also concerts. You know, it yeah. affected all sorts of things. So, so I think that there were serious concerns around that. So, so I think that. Um, uh, you know, all, all of that had shaped and, and I was, I've been very privileged to work with senior managers in all sorts of areas over time. And that that's shaped my understanding of how you approach risk. But I think that the extra um, uh, experience that I've had in implementing much more operational risk, whereas a small company, you tend to manage operational risk in a because you, you're leaner you're faster you're you're more able to respond to things quickly mm. means that um you know perhaps you don't do it in, in you don't need to do it in such a, a rigorous way but when you come to a large organization then you do need to have all those audit trails in place another another reason for not using spreadsheets um you need to be doing trend tracking month on month um you, know, you need to make sure that that everything you say you're going to do, you you actually do do. But but I think most of all, it's it's helping C-suite understand um, what people have, you know, what challenges people have in the organisation, and actually being able to 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 work with them, you know, ask the right questions, um, listen to to the answers, and actually give them help, give them some direction on this stuff. Because with risk, it's never ending in terms, you know, you, you can carry on forever because yeah. um, you, you could go back through the whatever it is, the issue guru, herringbone 
um, sort of, you know, what, what caused this and well, what caused that and what was the cause of, so you could go back about 15 levels and get to the, the you know, the, the start of, 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 of everything if, yeah. if, if you wanted to. Yeah. So, so it's understanding and get it, giving some guidance and C-suite providing their vision for how, what risk should look like. Mm -hmm. So even if it's just like, we don't want to be another Wembley Stadium, um, uh, we, you know, in fact, uh, you know, one of the things on, on the, uh, 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 the athletes of the village was that C-suite said, well, we want 100% confidence. And we went, well, you can't have 100% confidence, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah. But what we did was we went, okay, so every month we'll bring it back to where we think we've got 100% confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and each month when it doesn't, uh, you know, when, when things slip, something happens, then we'll, then we'll tell you what we've done to bring it back again, to bring it, bring it back on track. Um, so, yeah, so, so I think that, that one of the things, whether you're big or small, um, uh, actually helping people see risk work and help them do their jobs, making life more, um, you know, helping people more confident. Um, you know, one of the things I often say is that, you know, what, what do you want risk management to help you do? Well, actually, you'd like it to help you go home on time because when things go wrong, that's when you end up working late weekends. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody in C-suite actually wants their workers working ridiculous hours because you don't make good decisions. You don't uh, um, you don't uh, do a good job to things if you're under extreme pressure all the time. And risk management helps you look into the future and solve those problems in the future. And it doesn't matter whether they're change initiatives, projects, programs. Um, business strategic risks or whether it's operational risks because operational risks have just as much impact on your business uh, because um, you know if you have some sort of cyber incident then it's going to stop everybody working uh, you know so, so those things are important but understanding how it affects the whole company I think is 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 really important but 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 it, it is different for every different company because their risk vision is going to be different it, you know but ultimately yeah, risk is the same. You know, the, the process and the and and the, and the principles of what you how you go about managing it is the same. But unless C-suite are involved, people in the organisation aren't really going to have the right guidance and understanding of what they should do. There is a, there is a, a flip side to that as well, though, is that people um, who are whether you're just managing a risk, doing an action, or you're a risk professional, um, you also need to understand how C-suite think. Mm. Um, and you've got to learn how to talk to them on their level, uh, not get too much in the weeds and so on. One thing you, you mentioned then is, is communicating between uh, everybody, you know, regardless of the size of the organization. But obviously a key part of that is getting the right information to the right people um, in a timely way. Is there any advice that you can give in terms of how this is, this is better done and whether this is different on, on smaller or large organizations? I think the most important thing is that people can access the data, but... Um, at the right level. Mm. So, for example, C-suite cannot, uh, yeah, I, I haven't got time when I'm looking at reports to see anything more than a top-down view. Mm. But, but I am a person who really does uh, feel the need to see the detail when I want to know what, you know, <laughs> what, what's inside that, what's causing yeah. that. Yeah. And so drill down is really important. Um, you know, how things are connected is really important. Being able to visual, visualize stuff, whether it's uh, looking at a risk analysis. In my experience, for example, you know, I know a lot of people um, think that Monte Carlo analysis and, and you know, doing cost and schedule um, uh, analysis is, is, is overkill. Actually, uh, in my experience, C-suite understand those pictures. Mm -hmm. They really do like looking at that. They like looking at the interactive nature of it, where you say, okay, if we mitigated this risk or if we did that, if we knocked this out, this is what would happen, uh, playing what ifs. They, they really do get that stuff. Yeah. Um, but also being able to show how risks are, are linked, you know, how they're linked together. Uh, but, but, but I think that also um, uh, it, it, it's, it's really all about decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, so trying to make decisions getting the right information to C-suite is, is about talking their language, mm -hmm. having conversations. And in fact, conversations all the way up through the company is absolutely vital um, because 
um, you know, there's, a, there's quite a, quite interesting stuff out on, on in, in other um, blogs and things about making decisions and making decisions fast. But often I think they don't include the bit about risk because making decisions fast is not good if you just do it on intuition. You really need to do it on well-informed data. Um, and that's where C-suite need to have that information. If they need to drill down into it, let them drill down into it. And I think increasingly uh, the way technology is going uh, with, with you know, um, uh, digitization of everything, then C-suite should be able to click on something and see it if they want mm -hmm. to. Um, you know, I, as a, as a CEO, you know, I'm often working evenings and weekends and um, if people don't want to be called up at stupid times of the, of the day or night, I just want to be able to click on it and find it out. I don't need to, don't, don't have to go and talk to somebody. When I don't understand it, then I want to talk to them. Yeah. And I expect them to be able to talk to me in a language that I understand as well as me being able to come down to their level. So, so I think it's, it's the balance is about people understanding and listening to each other uh, and, and getting the right pictures and, and visualizations in place. Um, but I, th I think there is also, um, uh, one of the problems that, that perhaps we don't have so much of in a small company is that um, uh, you often get the whole kind of structure in an organization where it, it's, it's very difficult to get information to the right people quickly mm -hmm. enough mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the right risk-based information so that they know the potential scenarios, the, the, the different possibilities, and most importantly for C-suites, um, you don't just take a problem to them, you actually take the problem and the answer. Uh, so you need to have the ability to tap in to, your, uh, to other teams, to other people in other bits of the organization. Um, and I, I have quite, I, I really think that, that there is probably a need to overhaul governance in large organizations, because I think governance has got to a point where it's, it's often has become rather um, uh, um, rather too, too big and bulky um, in order to get those decisions made fast because you have to go through endless chains to get there. Now, I, I totally understand how important governance and the whole audit trail of everything is, uh, but I think that there, there is something in the future that could be done to, to make those lines of reporting much more simple because we haven't got weeks or months to make decisions these days we've got days um yeah, we know that from you know, the, you know how many prime ministers we've had in the uk over uh, the last you know recent recent history yeah um, last three months or so i think yeah 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 but even in the last five six years um but i but i think that organizations would do well to look at how their reporting lines are um, uh, you know, ha ha how they could improve on that. And I think risk has got a lot to help there because actually um, uh, the, the, um, as, a, as a rule, when I'm trying to make a really important decision, um, if I've got all the information, then um, generally I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm confident. Yeah. If I haven't got all the information, I'm really feeling very nervous about it. Yeah. I almost never make a very important decision on the same day it's asked of me but yep. I usually sleep on it and I make it first thing in the morning uh, when, when it's fresh in my mind and I've been able to um, eliminate the, 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 the you know, um, I've, I've managed to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff and yep. actually work out what to do. But you can only make those good decisions if you've got all the risk in mm. it. What's the knock-on effect? If I make the decision, um, what's the knock-on effect next week, next month, next year? Um, and, and, and actually tying governance and that whole reporting chain into the way you structure your risk is a very important piece, I think. Being able to look at your risk register and say, okay, there's a, there's a crisis in pensions or there's a crisis in cybersecurity. Um, I just want to pull up all the risks to do with that and then sort them in a way which is meaningful on, on a particular criteria. Um, that's the that's the beauty of, of having the risks all in one one place that you can actually get the enormity of it and you can also look at stuff uh and say um what's missing 
because mm. you look at it you don't believe it and i i think see see senior managers really do have generally have a good understanding of their business they just don't have the data at their fingertips mm -hmm. to be able to make those decisions so so i think it's it's really about making the digital transformation that we everybody claims they're going through a reality mm. and be able to get to that information quickly yeah uh, excellent piece of advice there Val. so thank you very much for that so is there any other bits of advice that you would give to, to managers trying to implement risk across their organizations? Um, yes, I, th I think, well, we've probably covered quite a lot, but maybe, maybe it'd be useful just to, to bring this together because I think engagement is a really difficult problem in mm -hmm. organizations. So you might've got the right structures, you've got good governance, you've, uh, uh, everybody is, is um, uh, understands the, the reasons why they're doing risk and, and you've got your vision in place, all of those sort of things, but you still have problems with, with engagement. And, mm. I, and I think that, um, you know, number one is absolutely, you've got to get C-suite um, uh, engaged yeah. and they need to be ready to delve into a level of detail where asking questions in the right way makes people think actually they do understand what I'm doing um, and they understand the problems I've got because, Problem solving is a, is, a, is a collective thing. It's a very enjoyable thing to do if you get together and solve a problem. And there's almost no problems I've come across in any organization that I've worked with that was either unknown to the organization before it happened. Don't let people tell you that it was, oh my goodness, that's a surprise. Nobody yeah. saw that coming. Somebody saw it coming. They just yeah. didn't mention it. Yeah. Um, so that comes to the second point, I think, is that um, you need honesty, truth, and um, uh, 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 make it safe for people to, to take mm -hmm. risks, make it safe for people to put their hand up, yeah. uh, because that way you will really get a uh, forewarning of those problems. And in my experience, I've never met somebody in C-suite who didn't know want to know the problems. Mm -hmm. um, they don't like surprises. So don't give C-suite surprises uh make sure that there is the you know i, I suppose uh people will say yeah what you're talking about is culture uh and it is really um get the right culture around risk and that starts from the top um and, and flows down um finding time in people's diaries is always going to be a problem but if you can work out strategies to do that and often it means uh you know simple things like uh um not uh, not having risk management reviews but having risk reviews but even trying to get rid of those and embedding risk into yeah. everything you do so now with each of my my team leads and managers that i have meetings with um on the agenda i've got a link to the risk register and we look at the risk register every week yeah. um and i say what are you doing about that you know have you got any problems we don't spend too long on it but it's just it's just a work in progress so so keeping it going within the existing meetings you have uh, and trying to embed it rather than have separate separate um, risk meetings, unless you've got a big brainstorming session yeah. when you do need to have a whole risk meeting. Um, try to include the positive side of risk, not mm -hmm. just negative. Um, uh, so, um, and, and, and by that, I don't just mean op uh, opportunities. You can be positive about taking risk. Yeah. You can as long as you've got everybody on board and that means across the silos again uh because sometimes a risk that you know an, op an opportunity that you implement in one place could be somebody else's risk yeah. uh and i i can also assure you and uh, I, I did a recent um webinar on on opportunity and innovation uh and um senior managers c-suites don't like opportunities any more than they like risks happening Right. Uh, unless they know in advance mm -hmm. they don't like so it's again it's all the surprises and i've known opportunities to backfire spectacularly yeah. in organizations i'm not trying to put people off doing opportunities <laughs> I'm saying, you know go for it but do it in full view don't because mm. people often hide hide opportunities away um uh and and you need to find risk champions in the business mm -hmm. uh c-suite ought to recognize and and um value those people the the yeah, I, i'm i do my best not to show shock horror if somebody mentions something to me that i think oh my goodness me um because i think it gives a bad bad vibe yeah. to people it's 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 the whole shoot the messenger thing yeah don't don't 
don't make people think that if they put their hand up, mm-hmm. then they're going to be the one that, that that receives the negative flack. And again, you know, I, I kind of despair when you hear about the fact that whistleblowers, you know, there's, there's, it, it's always career limiting. Um, it's about time that stopped. Yeah. Uh, that 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 whistleblowers could do things in confidence. That it 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 was it would hopefully enhance their careers, not end it in in mm-hmm. many cases. Um, and and that's where I think C suite can learn from that because unfortunately you need to know this stuff, yeah. even if it's unpalatable. Um, and um, yeah, all, all the way down to the bottom of the company, you can have people who know things that you need to know at C suite level. Uh, all those structures and challenges of getting it to where it needs to go is always going to be difficult. Uh, and and, and there's, there's no getting around that, really. In a small or a large company, there's still stuff that, that you wish you'd known earlier. Um, but the better um, risk uh, system you have and the more risk intelligence, we call it, um, that you can feed into your organisation, um, then the more likely you're going to be able to deal with problems uh earlier before they really become major issues and the more you're on top of problems the more opportunities and innovation you can uh you you can achieve because uh you're you know you you are in control of your organization uh you know i feel like the implementation of iso 27001 and all process procedures we put in place because we didn't do it as a tick box exercise because we said this has got to mean something. We, I don't want anybody spending any minute of their working life wasting time um, filling in something. You know, one of the rules we put in at the beginning was, if you think you're doing something that's a waste of time, talk to me yeah. and I'll explain why it's important. Mm-hmm. And if I then, if you can convince me it's not important, we're going to stop doing it because we haven't got time to do that. And it's about you know having those kind of sensible risk intelligent discussions mm-hmm. uh, about how you go about... Um, your, your, your general um, uh, working life. And what I'd like to think is that the, the risk manager becomes the CEO's best friend or the person in C-suite's best friend because they know it's something they can trust. They become a trusted advisor to the business, not the person who's the bearer of bad news, yeah. um, which, is, which is where risk is seen as the red card. It's not about a red card, it's actually uh, why you have brakes on your car so you can go faster. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's about powering your business. Being exactly. positive about risk is is actually very empowering in an organisation, and it helps retain staff too. It does. It's a it's a great bit of advice there, Val. So thank you very much for that. So that kind of wraps things up really for today, Val. And uh, thank you very much for coming along. It's been a really interesting chat and discussion and i think that a lot of people are going to take away a huge amount of information from this one but our regular listeners will be familiar with a bit of tradition we have around here so if you could give yourself a piece of advice um that to yourself at the beginning of your career that you've, you've picked up along the way that you didn't know back then what would it be oh i think um probably it would be to say don't be apologetic about working in risk um and risk management because I think for years I had people, I, I allowed people to to kind of try and put me back in my box and go go in the corner, do your stuff there, please. You know, don't bother us. Uh, you know, I even had had people say, "Well, tell you what, go away and come back two weeks later and show me something amazing." It's like, <laughs> you know, <what? laughs> I, I did decline that one actually. <laughs> um, but but yeah, the, you know, being bold, being positive. Um, uh, don't be afraid to talk to somebody a few levels higher up than you. Um, you know, the best thing that can happen is is for the CEO to 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 talk to the cleaner. In my opinion, mm. um, <laughs> you know, why not? Definitely, um, definitely. Uh, yeah, be 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 proud to be a problem solver. Looking to the future, um, find time uh, to to uh, to do that. Uh, to be what I call um risk intelligence um so you know actually for somebody to say oh you know oh risk you know please could you yeah i haven't got time today it's like you know answering well don't you want to be risk intelligent Mm -hmm. um you know why why wouldn't you do this because it makes it'll make your life better your organization's life better everybody's life better um 
and so it's actually you know as a as a risk professional it's a great career to be in i've loved all 30 plus years i've been in it um i never tire of it i'm always learning new things uh so yes i think if if i could have been perhaps less apologetic or allowed people you know did, did was was more um push pushed back on people more mm-hmm. who tried to, to imply that i was just an add-on um to the day job uh, and actually went no this is important and it's really positive and it's really great stuff to do yeah again another great bit of advice Val. so thank you um so yeah wrapping up really here for the moment is if is there's any way if anybody wants to reach out to you is, and discuss anything that's been mentioned today on the podcast or or anything else in general um what's the best way to get in contact with you yeah or well, probably um uh, linkedin uh, and I, I'm, I'm lucky I've got a fairly easy name to find just if you just search for Val Jonas I think you should find me but that's that's my LinkedIn uh, tag um, you can also go to our website uh, which is www.riskdecisions.com um, and also yeah, that's my email address is also at riskdecisions.com so yeah wh- whichever way you want uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you love to hear your ideas and uh, thoughts any any extra things you think that advice you would give on how to help um, engage c-suite how to do things as c-suite uh, because it really is the most important thing in an organization that risk is supported and driven top down with a risk intelligent risk vision awesome well thank you very much again val it's been great Good. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Well, that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Riskologist, please make sure to follow Optimize on our social media platforms where you can subscribe to this podcast, be notified of the latest releases and help us broaden our reach to the wider risk community. You can also find the full back catalogue from season one where we've interviewed some of the discipline's most renowned thought leaders around the industry's most pressing topics. If you'd like to get in touch, either as a future guest or with any subject suggestions you'd like to hear covered, please contact us using the address in the podcast notes below. And please join us next time, where we'll be hearing the thoughts of another key decision maker and their experiences with risk management. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.